We are all born with a purpose, yet identifying what that is can be very challenging. It can be even more challenging to find purpose in your business. So, is it possible to find purpose in your business and make profit at the same time? Not only is it possible, but a business led by purpose can be even more profitable than one that is simply led by profit. Join Robert Fukui as he explores how to be purpose-led and profitable while making a positive impact in your community. Hey everyone. Hi, this is Robert Fukui, your host of the Purpose and Profitability podcast, where we believe that having a profitable, purpose-led business can lead to community transformation. I'm so excited to have with me as my guest and real co-host, Kelly Leonard, CEO of the Taylor Leonard Corporation. Uh, we're kicking off this new format where um, decided to actually uh, allow this recording of the podcast to be viewed live on Facebook. And so we'll see how this goes because I'm hoping um, kind of moving forward, there's some kind of audience participation. Um, I don't know how participated everybody will be today because I don't know what kind of group we're going to have today for being our first time. But I'm sure as things go along, uh, we'll have people that either submit some questions ahead of time or even during the course of the um, podcast uh, as we record. So Kelly, thank you for, um, for joining me today and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Thanks for having me on the inaugural podcast <laughs> of Purpose and Profitability. It's funny, so I'm looking at you on dual screens. I can see you on my one screen and in Zoom, you've got the perfect pose and then I see you moving in the background on Facebook. Hey, cool. we got Slet Lazar. Yeah, and we got Slet <laughs> Lazar from Ukraine. He's popping on. Awesome. Hey, good to see you. So Kelly's in Washington, D.C., and I'm here in Pasadena, California. We're finally getting some rain, um, <laughs> some much-needed rain. We haven't had any rain at all this season, which is terrible because I had some terrible fires last month, too. Uh, so thank God for the rain. But Kelly, I know uh, for those of you uh, that didn't get to hear my interview with Kelly, uh, I think it's in episode three, um, please tune into that so you'll get to hear her background, her story. She's got a great story that you'll definitely want to hear. Um, so uh, you can definitely tune in for that to kind of hear her background. But Kelly, why don't you go ahead and quickly introduce yourself and your business and what you guys do. Absolutely. So thank you again, Robert, for having me. My name is Kelly Leonard. And as Robert said, I am just outside of Washington, D.C. in Montgomery County, Maryland, actually live and work in, in Gaithersburg, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. When I am not busy in my full-time roles of wife and, and mother, I am an author, a speaker, and a trainer slash, slash coach. And I help clients to accelerate their professional brands for business success. Essentially, I provide direction on how to look, how to connect, and where to get opportunities. Um, and so I am a division of our larger company, which is Taylor Leonard Corporation, which is a training business development and IT consultancy. Yeah, they do a great job. I know her and her husband, uh, Jerome, for about four, four years now. And great group of people, um, great hearts, and just really want to help businesses and and, and they have a lot of fun while we, as well. So it's always great to have you, Kelly, on here. I'm so glad you're able, you're willing to be the guinea pig for this first gig here. <laughs> so <laughs> when we get right into it, you know, last week I uh, we had the podcast starting off right for 2018, basically talking about business planning for, for the year. And since we are still in the beginning of the year, and it already seems to be flying by, but uh, since we are still in the beginning of the year, it's always important to, if you haven't already started your planning for 2018, like started last month or November, like some businesses, 
Um, it's still not too late, but definitely you want to start to plan uh, for the rest of the year. So, um, so today I wanted to kind of continue that topic um, and with having Kelly here and kind of with her background and what her and her husband do for, for business, I wanted to kind of pick her brain a little bit. So um, how, how do you typically plan for your year, Kelly, with your business or even as you help other, other businesses plan? Uh, really for me, because we, because of, you know, and, and when you think of the topic of uh, business planning and the underlying format of, of this podcast being purpose and profitability, we look at it from a number of different perspectives. So, so faith, family, and finance. And so what we really um, take time to do is we reflect on the prior year's successes and I don't like to call them weaknesses, but areas of improvement to determine where we want to really invest our time in the new year. And so for, for me, when I think of um, one area in particular I reflected on recently is, yeah, we had a decent pipeline, but I want to serve significantly more people and companies in the new year. So what does that look like from a management and administration and operations and a marketing perspective? So really drilling down and looking at, okay, well, if my goal is to increase pipeline, then from a management and administrative perspective, what do I need to do? From an operational perspective, what do I need to do? From a marketing perspective, what do I need to do? And then drilling down into those different aspects to really figure out what that plan is going to look like. That's good. That's very important too. And that's kind of what I was started talking about last week too, is yeah, definitely looking at last year's successes and challenges to help plan for success for this year, improve on what didn't work as well, or even maybe just do away with it. Um, and the things that were successful, are there ways you can still improve upon that? So is there anything in particular that you guys are planning for, for your business for this year? That's a loaded question because there's <laughs> so much. Oh my goodness. If you only knew the half of it. So, so we've got a lot, as I alluded to sort of at the start of the, the conversation, um, for years, we've run our organization, Taylor Leonard Corporation. And I've kind of been in the shadows of Taylor Leonard Corporation and in more recent years been outward sort of the face of, of Taylor Leonard Corporation. But we noticed that there was some a bit of a disconnect um, in that so much of what I do when I look at the core of what I bring to our clients, it's around training and consulting, helping them to really maximize LinkedIn as a tool for their branding, business development and recruitment process. However, when people would go to the Taylor Leonard Corporation website, there was a total disconnect. Like you did not see that message really anywhere on the website. So there was this confusion and a lack of clarity. And so part of what we've been doing in this new year is really figuring out, okay, how do we pull my brand out of the Taylor Leonard Corporation family of businesses to really come to the market in a different way where there's greater clarity around Kelly Leonard Consulting and what I do and all that good stuff. But then even beyond that, um, because of the, the fact that we're looking at pipeline, it's okay, operationally, what are the systems that we need to have in place in order for this process to work and be more systems dependent as opposed to people dependent? Because as I reflect again on last year, oftentimes I'm the bottleneck. And so how do we create and build systems from a CRM perspective? So building um, the pipeline, automating as much as we can through email marketing, digitizing as much as we can around sort of the training and the content and curriculum that we're developing. So that's really been a big piece of not only the final few weeks of 2017, but also moving into 2018 is really working and actualizing that strategy. 
That's great, Kelly. And then you hit a, a topic there. Um, you're talking about you sometimes are the bottleneck and a lot of times uh, the business owners, that's exactly what's going on because they're controlling too much of it. And so to have that kind of realization and figure out, okay, how do we, how do we unplug that um, is, is a huge realization. And you're also going to have to give us some control, right? Yeah. Um, so talk, <laughs> talk, to, talk to us about that, Kelly. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Years ago, I used to always pride myself on being this quote-unquote control freak. But then when you think about that term, that's kind of a negative term, right? Control and then freak. Like, who wants to be a freak? And so, you know, someone once shared with me, they were like, no, you just, you're managing your brand. You're, you know, you want to manage your brand and make sure your values and all that good stuff. And so part of what I'm having to really deal with now is this whole, from a management and administrative perspective is making sure that we have the right resources, i.e. people in the right places. And then to your point, which you alluded to before, giving up control, really getting comfortable with learning to delegate. Um, But I think being a good delegator doubles back and it requires that we have the right people in the right places because otherwise I'm not going to feel comfortable with delegating those additional responsibilities to anyone unless I'm comfortable with them. So thanks, Kelly, for that insight. And and what about for some of your clients? Do you sometimes have to help them give up a little bit of control in some areas of their business? Absolutely. And and it seems like it's more of a problem when you've got um, small, really like micro businesses or small businesses, because it seems like the tendency is that we want to hold on tight to what we've got. Because And I think in certain respects, it's somewhat of a fear-based approach or scarcity base where it's like, I'm the only one that can do this particular thing. This is my baby. I want to nurture it and, and grow it and care for it as opposed to there are other very capable resources and people that are out there that we can entrust to nurture and grow our businesses. Yeah. So I certainly see that a lot in, in some of my business, especially when they're probably doing, um, um, especially doing doing under a million dollars a year in revenue and even up to about $5 million in revenue. There's certain layers of control they do start to give up as their revenue increases. But at some point, the reasons for that bottleneck, as you said earlier, is a lot of that control that needs to be released. And sometimes not the business owner themselves, but maybe sometimes some of the managers that they have in place. Sometimes mm. they're, they're controlling too much and not allowing some of their staff below them to do a lot more of the work. So, um, so a lot of times it's right at the very top, but sometimes it's also right below them. So finding that bottleneck, right. just like a good plumber, <laughs> finding out where it's plugged <laughs> is uh, something we got to do. Right. Now, do you think in the case of um, when you talk about management or C-suite, that um, have this desire to hold on tight to what they have. Do you think that any of that, there's ever any instance where perhaps they're doing it because they feel threatened that if they give up some of what they have, that then it's going to put someone in a better position to potentially um, bleed into their responsibilities, which Mm -hmm. then comes into question, Hey, what's my, my value, my worth. Sure. I mean, I've seen them certainly in your corporate career, you've seen it as well, but definitely my corporate career, see it all the time, is there's that competitive issue. So especially in, in, in marketing and sales where I've been. So a lot of times some, uh, there's a salesperson who's doing phenomenal and all that, and they don't want to give them, the manager doesn't want to give them a little bit more responsibility and helping train some of the other uh, reps in the district or what have you. Um, they want to make sure that they they make sure they're staying look like the shining star that you know the manager is the one that's doing this whole thing and um so you certainly see that as a competitive issue and they don't want to um 
they're kind of fearing for their own job, for their own um, moving up the corporate ladder because they feel like someone else mm-hmm. could even leapfrog them. So, yeah, you see that a lot, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, but the right thing, you know, I've always had, fortunately, I've had um, great managers where I've worked. Um, they're always one to want to develop the person. And so mm-hmm. certainly those people do move on to other things, but it also makes them look good too as a manager um, in the eyes of the, the VPs and the presidents. When they see the manager developing their people and moving on, um, they really, it makes the manager look better and um, more, um, I think they're more likely to want to promote that manager when they see that they're developing their people and their people are moving on to doing greater things. So it's actually kind of counterintuitive. And so with those managers that are trying to maintain control and are fearing out of their own job or for potential um, promotion, it actually kind of works against them when they're actually looking to develop their people. It actually helps them, makes them look better in the eyes of the VPs and presidents. Yeah, yeah. And so you bring up a really interesting, so you kept using the word development. And of course, in, inside that word development, there's the whole notion of continuous learning. And that's another aspect, another piece of what, when I look at um, planning for the upcoming year, it's, okay, how can I improve my skill set? So what are some of the, um, what's some of the content that I want to learn? What are some of the classes that I want to um, take in order to just sort of brush up on my skill set and or even learn something new. Um, so when I reflect on prior year successes, where are some of the, the gaps that I feel that I have mm-hmm. is another place that I spend time is just figuring out, okay, in this new year, where do I want to invest in terms of training and, and just personal and professional development? And that's a great point. It's a good segue because now we're starting to talk into even talking about priorities as well. You know, what are the things that are going to help you in your business and training, things like training and personal development or your or business development um, doesn't always necessarily have a direct link or direct impact in the business, at least right away, but it's something that'll definitely help over the long term. And so when you th- start talking about business planning and planning for success for 2018, you always have to also look forward even further down the road. and take the time to do some of the things that are going to help you later, even if it doesn't uh, pay dividends immediately. So that goes into priorities. How do you prioritize the things that you need to do now versus the things that are going to help you later? Um, so I don't know if you think in that way. It's like, okay, how do I prioritize my time in short-term and long-term issues or, or, or uh, activities that I need to do? Do you, do you think that? Well, it's, it's, so that's an area that I have, um, I struggle with at times just because, you know, it seems like everything's important, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so how do you then figure out, you know, how do you categorize and prioritize all these things that seem like they need to get done yesterday? Um, particularly when I look at, um, the phase that we're in right now with all of these changes with the website development. And so, okay, somebody has got to write that content because even though, you know, you may hire an outside vendor to do some of the things that need to get done in order to propel you closer to what some of your business priorities are in the new year, there's still going to be some sort of requirement of you that you're going to need to contribute in order to move that person along in their um, in the engagement for them to be able to help you. So one of the things that I've been struggling with more recently is, okay, I've got to pull together content for all these different marketing and promotional and the website and all this other stuff. But by the same token, I also need to make the donuts. 
and you know, so I'm the chief cook and bottle washer right now. And so, and you know, and again, there's team members that can help out with some of those things. But um, you know, because we are a closely held company with um, a lot of the things that we do, I, I feel like I'm the one that needs to do some of those things. And so, prioritization does become a big challenge. Now, one of the things that I know that I've gotten much better at is scheduling time with me. And so just like we're scheduling meetings with clients and prospects and all that good stuff, I really, as a part of um, determining and figuring out my priorities is I block time for me to meet with me every day, early in the day, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So it's typically early in the day as well as late at night. And or once I figure out what those priorities are, typically the night prior, the priorities that I need to take care of in the following day, um, then I'm also going to spend some time even blocking time throughout my day to get some of those tasks done mm -hmm. um, so that I can um, sort of check some of these things off. Um, to, and also, one of the things that I adopted new for this year is, you know, we're always so busy creating these to-do lists. But I read something recently, and I wish I'm huge on podcasts now, and so I really appreciate the fact that you're doing this podcast, even. But I'm, big, I'm a big podcaster, and I was listening to a podcast recently, and they talked about, you know, okay, yeah, your to do list, that's great, but we also need to, as entrepreneurs and business leaders, we need to have a to decide list. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, what are those things that we need to decide? Because oftentimes it's, indecision that's holding us up in our to-dos as well and, and in meeting our business priorities. And so that's been a big priority for me is to figure out, okay, well, what are those things that I need to, to not only to do, but also to decide so that I mm -hmm. can push these other business priorities forward? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's another, um, um, another good, I guess, section to put in your priority list. Cause yeah, I always like to do priorities. And so Mondays for me are those me time is I typically don't want to schedule any kind of meetings or phone calls and I just want to just do this. So so doing this podcast, actually the reason why I wanted to do it at 8.30 in the morning is because it's still early enough <laughs> and then I get the rest of my day still. Um, but yeah, having to, you have to intentionally carve out time and yeah. almost like on a consistent basis, almost on your schedules, like on, the, on your put on repeat, you know, Mondays 9 to 12 is just, you know, you know, thinking, visioning out for the future. Um, and then maybe after lunchtime, it's talking about, okay, doing some tasks that you need to do that are priorities. And because a lot of times the priorities get pushed down, right? And so mm -hmm. like a lot of times we'll help a, a business come up with a strategic plan for the business, but then there's the implementation phase, right? It's like, okay, now we got to do this stuff. And what happens is a lot of those things get pushed down because it's the day-to-day -day activities take over. And yeah. every everything seems to be a priority, as you said earlier. Everything seems to be a priority. Everything it's almost like a it's a fire drill all the time. Um, so setting carving out those times where I say, okay, now I got to you know this day, this time, I need to just do this stuff. You know, do the priorities on the priorities, check those things off on, on the decisions list, and which will and it's interesting once you do that and are intentional about it and actually start doing it, that things just take care of themselves. Like now mm -hmm. you have to entrust your staff to just do it and <laughs> say, so, no, just you take care of it. You're trained and all that. Um, just take care of it. And inevitably they do. May not get done exactly the way you as the owner or as the, or as the leader might do it, but it seems to get done. It seems to get done well. And sometimes it gets done better than if the owner was involved. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So they, they find a way to do things and sometimes do it better and more efficiently. And so uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's great to, when you're intentional about carving out that time and do it, 
and let your staff just take care of the stuff. Um, it tends to get done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So then, so just to throw a question at you, what have you found um, in the realm of work that you do and the different types of clients that you support? Have you seen any common threads or best practices for entrepreneurs that are when they're engaging in sort of preparing for a new year? Yeah, I think what we're just talking about now is the priority stuff is really carving out the time to do the important things that drives the business. Um, Many businesses will set up some kind of plan for the year, but as I said, implementation is the is the make it or break it part. And too many times, the important things just get pushed down. And so, having carving out the time and being been very consistent about it, and just being intentional about it. And so, like I said earlier, I do it Mondays is my this is my focus time, taking care of the priorities. Um, for other people, it's maybe uh, a few hours or sometimes the first one or two hours of every day. Sometimes it's uh, towards the end of the day, whatever. But whatever the case, the business, the entrepreneurs that carve out that time and that are specific just to take care of the priorities, to take care of the big stuff that move the business forwards are the ones that have success. If they just plan and just try to do and just try to fit everything in, it does, just tends not to get done. Um, and then decision stuff, as you were talking about earlier, you know, you're, you're getting your website done, you need copy done. Also looking at the things, what are, make a list of what are the activities that you do that are non-essential for you, meaning that somebody else should really be doing it. It shouldn't, you know, like as the owner making, you know, six figures and more, they should be doing the big stuff, right? They shouldn't be doing um, making copies, not that copies are mean or but making copies or, or taking care of airline reservations or worrying about, you know, how the website's going to look exactly. I'm sure they might take a, a quick look and some oversight, but I mean, somebody else should be doing a lot of these other activities. And so make a list of those activities that are really, um, should, somebody else should be doing. That's basically like, not to make it sound demeaning, but below your pay grade, right? There's certain, you, you pay people versus some performance based on certain type of activities, versus certain types of experiences and, and what it means to the company. And so you kind of have to look at that. as like, okay, what are that, these activities I'm doing are just bogging me down, preventing me from doing the parties. And so where should I go? Should I um, have it, uh, have a staff person do it or should we outsource it? You know those kind of, those kind of decisions, as you said earlier. Some of the decisions you have to make revolve around that, or what are the things that you have to unleash or um, let go of, so that mm-hmm. the owner, the entrepreneur, can focus on the big picture stuff. Now, what about because I know there you can easily, um, I guess, define or equate a priority to whether or not something's revenue generating or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so those revenue generating activities. And so is there any, um, should we be paying more attention to priorities that have a direct revenue um, generation impact? Or are there other going to be other priorities like more operational where it's like, okay, yeah, there may not be like to, to your point, a, a direct revenue connection today, but longer term, if I don't, for example, make sure that the website, make sure that there's pipeline, make sure I CRM, all these other pieces, then it's gonna, in the long term, impact my Mm -hmm. revenue. Like, how do you make that distinguish distinction? So as an entrepreneur, whenever I'm helping an entrepreneur, I always look at what is your skill set? What is the things that only you can do? Or you're the one that does the best within a company. And so we got to make sure his activities are focused mainly around those type of activities that he's the best at. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so whether it's marketing or it's the operational side, so every CEO just kind of has, it's, it's even like a head coach of a, of a football team. The head coach, sometimes they have a defensive bent or an offensive bent, right? So they kind of tend to get a little bit more involved in one aspect of the, of the, uh, of the football team versus the other just because of their experience and their strengths. And then they have uh, a defensive coordinator if that not then they make sure if they're not so much defensive minded they hire a good defensive coordinator right um, similar to an entrepreneur we got to figure out what is their skill set what are the things they do the best and have them focus on developing those areas of the business and I don't look at it as just revenue generating I look at it as profit generating because everything has a profit impact everything in the business has a profit impact so when you look at the organization when you look at their staff and the organizational um, piece of the staff um, just looking at administration for example the more efficient they are less mistakes they make um, especially in accounting <laughs> let's just say in accounting uh, there's a big impact on the bottom line right less overtime mm-hmm. um, having not having a higher um, uh, some kind of consultant to audit and figure out what went wrong those kind of things so um, and then even having a good HR person that knows how to put people in the right spot. Because a lot of times in an organization, they have the wrong people in the wrong job. And so you always talk about the um, keen on the weakest link. You're only as strong as the weakest link. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of times what the reflex is for most organizations is this person's not performing well, they're just, they figured they're, they're going to put them on notice and eventually fire them. But what you really need to look at is what is their strength? Maybe they're mm-hmm. just not in the right job and just reposition right. them. And so we've had yeah. that where I um, had a case, you know, back in, um, had a had a client in, in Montana that just did just that, just re-interviewed everybody and found out what their passions are. What are the things in their job that they're most passionate about? And, made sure that in their job duties, they were mostly doing those things that they, were, they really liked in a job. So they kind of re- she, she ended up repositioning people. Um, and what happened was that week when they, at, when they were done with, with repositioning people, that week was the most productive week that they've had, she said, that she could remember, which drove profits because they were able to get more done. They were able to take care of more customers in the same period of time as the week before. So, which means that's more income, that's more profits because, you know, when you're able to be more efficient with your labor and you do things faster than before and just as well, your labor cost goes down per customer, right? Charging the same right. amount of money, yeah. but doing less amount of time means there's more margin. So, that's right. what I look at is, you know, so for her as, as one of the business owners, that was her gifting was in the human resource side. And so, we said, let's focus on that. And that was her first task when we kind of identify what her strength was. So um, going back to her priorities, yeah, it didn't make a direct impact on revenue per se, but it did have a direct impact on profitability because she was just able to identify what people do the best. Yeah, I love that. The fact that that statement that you made, everything in your business has a profit impact. And I guess, and the approach that you took or that you're taking in terms of, um, 
advising on the team is, is to your point. I mean, if you hired the person at some point, there must have been something that you saw yeah. in them that was, um, you know, that was worthy of them, of hiring them. And so, yeah, to your point, it's maybe that you just need to, if they're, they should be on the bus, maybe they just need to be on the bus. <laughs> yeah, they're not in the right seat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That happens a lot. And, and, and unfortunately, the reflex for a lot of businesses is if they're not performing eventually just let them go but what you right. before you do and sometimes they do but because they're so just disruptive but if it's because of performance can it reevaluate them as a person and what their skill set what their passion is and make sure they're in the right position if they're not see if there's another position within the, the business that they're better suited for and you'll just see someone come alive when they're you know just mm-hmm. we all know just when you're doing something that you enjoy you're better at it. Right? You're more productive. You put a lot more time and energy into it. You just do it better. And right. so that's what you want to do with your employees as well. Nice. Nice. Do you have any other questions so for that, me? Because we're going to. Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, because I know, I, I, I think I jokingly called you one time the, the, either the, what was it? The pricing whisper or the profit <laughs> whisper. And I know you teach a lot around <laughs> value-based pricing and I think that's something that so many entrepreneurs struggle with is, you know, beyond everything that we just already described, but this whole notion of pricing and what does that look like? What does that process look like? And I'm excited because I know in a couple of weeks, um, you know, we're going to be, um, we're going to have a webinar that you're going to lead around pricing and the four critical mistakes that entrepreneurs or that businesses make as they're doing their pricing. And so I'd be curious to know, like, if you had to think of one mistake that you see that the common thread in business around pricing or pricing mistakes, what might that be? Uh, That's a, that's a tough one, but um, I would, I would say in general, looking too much at the competition, what everybody else is doing and seeing what they're pricing Mm. at as well. Um, Because my, take on pricing, the way you set your price correctly is by what I call value-based pricing approach. Understanding the value that your product and service brings to the market. And value, there's objective measurements and there's also a lot of subjective measurements. So that's where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle, a lot of businesses struggle in setting a value-based price because they don't really understand how to evaluate their value. And so what happens is they start looking at the marketplace and they start saying, well, so-and-so is only charging $5.99 and so-and-so is only charging, is charging $8.99. I fall somewhere in the middle or maybe I'm not as good or maybe I'm a little bit better. Um, and even if they say they're a little bit better, a lot of times they'll set their price just below a competitor that they feel they're even better than. <laughs> so just to try and get a little bit, few more customers. So all that's just, it's just wrong. But you don't want to look at the competition. I don't look at, when I have a new customer in an industry that I've never been in, I purposely don't look at the competition at first. I want to know what is the value that the business brings to the marketplace. I want to know what they've invested into. Do they have any patents? Do they have any secret sauce? Are they continually innovative? Um, something about their product and service is, is better than a competitor anyway. You always know you're some, some, something about what you do is always better than somebody else anyway. Mm-hmm. From there, think about your target market. Is Who is the ideal customer that would appreciate what I bring, the strength that I bring in my product and service, and then figure out, you know, what's the price I should, I need to charge. Um, one, first to make a profit. 
So a lot of people, when they set their price, they set their price based on something arbitrary, whether they're, uh, they're um, analyzing the competition, kind of figuring out where they should price themselves based on the competition, or and or doing some kind of cost plus pricing where they take their cost of goods and market up a certain percentage. What happens was they never really evaluate and, and forecast out what kind of sales volume they need to, to make to achieve profitability in their business. So the reason why a lot of them struggle is when they set their price, a lot of times they're, already, they're, they're usually underpriced. They're not able to make a sufficient profit based on just a conservative sales volume um, because they don't really look at that. They don't really forecast out. They don't figure out, okay, how much do I need to make? Uh, how much do I need to sell to make a sufficient profit? They just look at kind of a top line thing. It's like, okay, how much revenue should I will I produce? And hopefully, I'll have enough left over to make a profit. But they don't really go through the, the steps that I've gone through in my corporate background, as well as what I do with my clients now, to really forecast out to see: Are you going to make a profit with this price? And also, if you're going to discount and all that, but there's so many factors that go into setting mm-hmm. the price. But the bottom line: start with try to determine what your value is, and not be afraid to charge what you're worth. Because there's a lot of times even businesses know what their value is, but they still undercharge themselves because they don't think the customer is going to pay um, or they want to get a few more customers to do it. They want to increase sales volume by decreasing price. Um, that doesn't work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of big corporations that try that low price, low kind of low price method to try and bring in more customers, but it doesn't work. There's a recent one, mm-hmm. Subway is making headlines right now nationally. Um, last mm-hmm. week, last um, the end of the year, uh, last year, so the end of December, uh, if you Google it, look at Subway, five foot, little foot long. Um, there's, uh, there's newspapers all across the country, including here in LA Times, that talk about um, that whole issue because the corporation, corporate wants to maintain that $5 foot long promotion Problem is the franchisees are suffering um, their bottom line because wages are going up, as we all know. You know, minimum wages are going mm-hmm. up. Um, everything's going up. Rent's going up. Utilities going up. All the costs are going up. In fact, one of the quotes from one of the franchisees stated that his costs over the last ten years have gone up fifty percent, but their prices have only increased twenty percent in that same ten year period. Wow. So wow. your 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 line is shrink. Your bottom line is shrinking, right? So. But for the corporation, they're thinking, how do we drive revenue? Right. The franchisees are suffering because, hey, we're not making money, right? <laughs> and right. they're not even right. pay, able to pay themselves as, a franch- as the owner of this franchise. They're not even able to pay themselves a regular salary because they're just taking what's left over. Um, so don't get so enamored by the top line approach. You got to figure out what's that going to take, what's, how's that going to affect the bottom line. So don't look at the competition. Understand, find out what your value is and don't be afraid to charge it. Customers will inherently, if you're charging what you're worth, they will inherently pay for it. So you don't have to charge less than what you're worth. People will, are glad to pay what you're worth. As long as you're providing the value that you're saying and it matches the price, they're fine. So you'll tend to get more customers when you increase your price to what you're worth than losing customers. Um, it kind of seems almost counterintuitive. By raising your price to what you're worth, you actually gain more customers. <laughs> so anyways, that's kind of a, a, a long a little bit of a long-winded answer. Say, if there's one thing, it's just don't look at the competition. Um, certainly, you can learn best practices, but when you're trying to evaluate price, you got to know what you're worth. That that's the key thing. So, looking at the competition is going to take your eye off the ball and take your eye off your own value. That's right. That's right. So, so we're gonna. And that's a bunch of baloney. If you do right, <laughs> <laughs> you lose a, you, <laughs> as a yeah. franchisee. They're like, that's baloney, man. <laughs> is that a pun intended for a Subway franchise? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs>
<laughs> so Absolutely. yeah, we'll, but no, to your point, we experienced that ourselves. Um, when we um, a couple years back, uh, we increased our prices dramatically, and I'll never forget. So it, it's one of those things. I, I was in a um, in a uh, I was responding to an, an RFP for a large company. And they said, oh, you know, send us your, your proposal. And so I sent it to them. And it was the largest um, rate that I had ever charged. It was, I mean, for a day's worth of work. I mean, it was in the tens of thousands for a day's worth of work. And so I was thinking, oh, you know what? I'll just throw it out there, see what happens. And they responded within like 20 minutes of me sending the email to say, okay, here's the rate. They were like, yeah, absolutely. Can you come out on this date? And that's when you have that sinking feeling. You're like, wait a second. That must mean I actually didn't charge them that. Because, you know, you expect for someone to maybe push back and say, hey, let's talk about this. And then there's going to be some negotiation that goes on. But it's the sinking feeling when you're like, wow, did I then undercharge? Because that was just way too easy. Yeah. And so, so it's it's interesting when you go through that. But to your point, it was like after that, it it caused me to psychologically the lid was lifted from my yeah. own limited thinking to say, wow, there's people out there that would pay this rate. Yeah. So those are perhaps my customers, not mm. these other people. Right, target market. Right, getting the right target, getting yeah. the right group of customers. Not trying to get everybody, but just trying to get the right customers. And that um, it reminds me of a client I had last year, and. Um, he was, he'd already adjusted his price up and he did well the first month. And then I was in the second, third, it was kind of slow. The summer period was a little slow. So he was, he was worried. Oh, did I shoot myself in the foot? Did I increase my price too much? And then he got a call. He's a auto detailer and uh, had an auto, de- auto detailing business. And then he got a call from an Audi dealership and they wanted to contract with him to do the detailing for their cars and, and maybe custom- and customers' cars as well. Um, so he goes to the meeting uh, ready to already offer a discount, <laughs> right? So mm, he's, he's already thinking, uh, he already in mind, he's already ready to offer a discount, a volume discount or whatever. Thank God, before you get the words out, the manager said, mm-hmm. the fleet manager said, hey, you've been highly recommended. We've tried X amount of other detailers in the, in the area. None of them work. They don't do very good work. You've been highly recommended for some of our customers. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you charge. Just get it done. <laughs> I'm wow. like, thank God you didn't say it. <laughs> I'm gonna offer yeah. this kind of so, so, yeah. so yeah, you know, because he had built a reputation on quality. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. people are willing to pay that quality. Now there's certain people that don't want to pay or can't afford to pay, that's fine. There's other other detailing uh, companies that they could go to, right? But if right. you've got to provide right. that kind of quality, that means they're, he's spending the time, and I know him, he's spending the time training his people to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the number one thing in his mind. Do it the right way. Don't take shortcuts. And when you spend that kind of time in people, investing in the people, and when, you're, and when your employees are, have that mindset to want to do well, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's the value part. Right, that's the value yeah. part I was telling him. That's the thing you can't do. So when you, when you look at the services that you provide, one detailing, com- one detailing company versus another detailing company will look the same, right? Mm-hmm. Wash, wash and wax, yada, 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 use this type of wax, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the underlying value, especially in his case, was just his staff's pride in what they did and wanting to do the mm-hmm. right way, not taking shortcuts. So that's the underlying value that they provide. That's why he was worth that much more money, right? So we're going to tackle that some more. You know, I'm, I'm happy I'm going to be with you in Tyson Corner 
right? In the Washington, yeah. D.C. metro area, yeah. <laughs> February 2nd and 3rd. So for any of you that are in that area, um, we're gonna, I'm going to spend a weekend there, Friday night and all day Saturday, um, tackling some of the things we talked about here on the podcast, as well as more, some of the marketing issues. But underlying, just like the, the title of this podcast is Purpose and Profitability. We're not just going to tackle the profitability part, but we're going to tackle the purpose part. So what is your mm-hmm. purpose? What is the, the thing that drives you beyond just the bottom line? Uh, because ultimately, I, f- I see the business that have a bigger purpose than just the profitability have a bigger upside. They have more potential because there's, a, there's another gear that kicks in because there's a purpose because just with the customers themselves, because you want to do the best for the customer that the customer drives you. It's not just how much you charge, but it's the customer that drives you. Just like my friend, the auto detailer, he just wants to do the best. It's not so much about the money, but it's like he just takes pride in what he does and wants to give his customer the best experience and gets, gets the best finished product in a, in a finely detailed car. And so, but the problem was he wasn't charging us. So it's fine. When, when you have a, a greater purpose in mind, they just tend to do better business, period. So we'll tackle some of that and, and more and kind of continue on this, you know, because I think it's a good time of year to go through this. What we're going to be doing is helping business owners develop or kind of build the right mindset of developing a strategic plan for their business. And so that's what we're going to be doing there with Kelly Leonard and Kelly and Jerome, um, February 2nd, 3rd in Tyson Corner. So I've been yeah. to DC, but I've never been to Tyson Corner. So I'm looking forward to that. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. So any parting um, uh, comments, anything, Kelly, before we sign off? No, I just want to um, thank you for your time and, and investment in us and in businesses, not just, um, you know, in the D.C. area, because I know you're going to be focusing and helping us to really help um, businesses grow to start as well as to thrive here in the, um, the D.C. metropolitan area. But thank you for all that you do to support the business community um, around the, the country and world for that matter. So thanks for your, your insight, your wisdom. It's invaluable. I appreciate you, sir. Oh, thank you, Kelly. And I appreciate you as well. And, you know, I had a lot of fun. This is the second time I've interviewed you. Um, and we've had a lot of conversations getting ready for my trip to DC. Um, so I yes. uh, hope you want to be a, another a guest co-host in the future. Because I think there's some other topics Absolutely. I'm sure we can talk about. Um, so I have a lot yeah. of fun with you, and I think um, you know there's a lot of great conversations I think we can have in the future. So, um, so I hope you will join me in the future, right? Yes, if, sir. if not, if not, pleasure. I know where to find you. <laughs> 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 so thanks everyone uh, again for listening to the Purpose and Profitability podcast. I know we had a little glitch there with the Facebook Live, but uh, um, we'll get that fixed that fixed before the next one. But uh, if you have any other business questions or topics that you'd like to hear about, you can either email me directly at prosper at i61businessdevelopment.com. That's prosper at the letter I, the number 61, businessdevelopment.com, or just go to the Purpose and Profitability podcast. Um, yeah, Facebook page, the Purpose and Profitability Facebook page, and go ahead and um, type in your questions there. And who knows, maybe um, we'll just have you on as, as uh, with Kelly and I, and we can talk about your business issues and kind of answer directly. Or if not, just we can just answer it on the air. So, but tune in next week as I discuss marketing blind spots. It's with my, uh, my next guest co-host, Eric Yoon of Standout Marketing. So we'll be talking about some of the um, common uh, blind spots that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have when it comes to marketing. So thank you again for uh, listening to Purpose and Profitability Podcast. This is Robert Fakui and God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. For more information, please visit 
purposeandprofit.com. 